Welcome to the Nino's Corner Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick, Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. What's up, peeps? Nick Battle, a.k.a. Nino's Corner. First off, if you like this content that is coming your way, hit that subscribe button. It means a ton. Hit that bell on YouTube. Get all my notifications here for the Nino's Corner Sports YouTube channel. Um, also, folks, if you're listening to this in the podcast and not on YouTube, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Breaker, the whole nine, comment, like, share, five-star comment, review. It means a lot. Helps the channel grow immensely. Today, folks, we're going to give a reaction video to the Steve Sarkeesian uh, press conference. Um, from August 25th, which is today, folks. Um, but first off, prior to us getting to that, let's get into our sponsors. Hey, folks, the first sponsor is BetUS.com. Go to BetUS.com, get 125% sign-up bonus using the code Nino's Corner, or go down in, in the descriptions, click that link, get that 125% bonus code. It'll help you out, folks. That is free money. Also, folks, next sponsor, support for the Nino's Corner podcast is brought to you by Manscaped the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Go to manscaped.com, get free worldwide shipping and 20% off of your order using the code Nino's Corner, again, at manscaped.com. But, folks, we are here to talk about Steve Sarkeesian and his press conference here at the University of Texas for the um, August 25th press conference. And we're going to just go ahead and get into it, folks. So without further ado, Here's Coach Sarkeesian. Uh, I think obviously just the uh, transitioning to the start of school and players getting acclimated to the schedule. Um, I thought it's been good. It's been good to get guys back practicing. So all a positive week so far. With um, and we'll have a decent sized walk through tomorrow and a mock game on Saturday. Coach, you talked about uh, what's the difference between a player like me and a player like How's that going for the team? I think I think one thing when you're trying to become a player led team is, you know, from a coaching perspective, you're trying to point out the opportunities. When is an opportunity for the players to lead? Um, they want to. It's not about the want to. It's about taking advantage of the opportunities when they present themselves. And sometimes it's in a uh, in a positive moment. Sometimes it's in a moment of adversity. But um, as a coach, sometimes you have to kind of show them that now is the time, you know, now is the moment and here is the way to go about it. So I think we're continually working on it. So, I mean, that, we've got a great team. We've got guys that have a bunch of want to and a lot of buy-in, but through it all, they're still learning how to. Um, and I think we've made great strides there. Uh, we've got awesome leadership. Um, it's just, you know, capturing those moments when they present themselves. Admiral McCraven was, was, Hey, just to pause on that, when you're talking about a player-led team, this goes across um, the gamut of anything when it comes to leadership, right? So you guys know I'm in the military, and I wouldn't say player-led, but like a soldier-led team, you know, is what I kind of deal with. So I always say let your leaders lead, 
right? You got to let your leaders lead. They are in a position to lead because they are leaders. You got to let them lead. So what Coach Sarkeesian is saying here, folks, is there's an opportunity for you to pull guys that you know can rally people. You can see guys that have that it factor in them. And when they have that it factor in them, you know that people will follow them. Those are the guys, especially when they're high performers, like a guy like Roshan Johnson, like a Bijan, like an Xavier Worthy, like, you know, like a, a, a Overshawn, like a Byron Murphy. Those are guys you know that when they say something, the team's going to follow. So you'll see those guys start to pick things up and start to lead in a, in a more positive way, um, lead, you know, in a more leadership role here. And there's times where he might bring them behind closed doors and say, Hey, X, I saw you talking to such and such, make sure he does this or, or make sure you make your voice heard here. So those are player led teams, the best organizations, not just sports teams, but the best organizations as a whole, or organizations that are run by the team and not necessarily ran by the CEO. And we were talking about the Texas football team or any football team in the college football you know, atmosphere. Uh, that's a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, to be honest with you. Uh, so now it's an opportunity for the leaders um, underneath this CEO to lead their different sections, lead the team, and that makes things so much better. I always say, I always tell my troops, um, A-plus, Leaders hire A-plus people because A-plus people are not afraid to lose their job. They have that much uh, confidence in themselves, almost a sense of arrogance, almost, that I'm that good. I don't care how good you are. You're not taking my job. And so Steve Sarkeesian hires A-plus folks, a Cal Flood, a Jeff Banks, Brennan Marion, Tashad Choice, PK, Jeff Choate. These are guys that could have had some pretty good jobs just along the way, but he understands that those A plus leaders are going to instill leadership abilities within their A plus hires. Their A plus hires are these recruits that they're getting. Xavier Worthy, um, you know, Quinn Ewers, Overshawn, and just look at the classes now. Kelvin Banks Jr. for Cal Flood, Cole Hudson. You're hearing rave reviews from DJ Campbell. Cam Williams as well. Those are A-plus hires by Cal Flood, and those A-plus hires are going to instill great leadership within the team and in and, and their actual position group. It's awesome. Um, you know, I think we definitely had the utmost attention of our team. Um, I thought it was pretty fascinating to watch our players as he spoke and the presence in which that he speaks um, there weren't a lot of backs up against the back of their chairs. There was a lot of guys sitting forward, a lot of guys very attentive uh, to his message. And uh, uh, I thought it was fantastic. I'm looking forward to having him back. So that was, uh, you know, Coach Sarkeesian basically talking about, you know, the, like the Admiral coming and talking to him. Everybody knows the Admiral. There's only one Admiral here at Texas that we all love, and it's Admiral McRaven. So, um, yeah, man. Anytime you have an opportunity to have a general come and talk to you, you know, just just a general level officer, yeah, guys are going to be uh, very into it because these guys have been on the front line. We always say that athletes are warriors and athletes are gladiators. Your men and women of those services who are serving and who have been to Afghanistan and been to Iraq and been to, you know, back in the Vietnam and desert storm and just the whole nine Korean war, world war one, two. And those guys are gladiators. Those are real gladiators, folks. Those are guys that were on the front line and some of the special missions that the Admiral had when he was, you know, in, you know, in the military are uh, missions that some of these guys can only fathom. 
enough. You know, you know, these are things that are so important to the country, and these are just true gladiators that he has led. But I'm pretty sure he'll have that same message, let your leaders lead. And his leaders that he has groomed to become admirals as well have done some pretty important and pretty great things here for the military, not just for the military, but for the United States as a whole. So when you have a guy like that with that kind of stature come and talk to a team, of course, they're going to be all in because not not only was he a UT grad, which says a lot, you know, as well. He was, uh, you know, an admiral um, in the Navy um, and has done great things. No, no, we really we go through A to Z as if it's game day. Uh, from pregame meal to meetings to walkthroughs to pregame warm-ups uh, to uniforms to um, actually playing and going through over 40 different scenarios as if the game were to occur from, uh, you know, we'll kick the ball off we'll, and we have to substitute, you know, and then we got to substitute if we get a stop to punt return to scoring a touchdown to – in the middle of a drive, our center's helmet might pop off and the backup center's got to be ready to go in. And so we, we try to play out a lot of scenarios to get our guys ready for games. You know, practice is, is difficult because a lot of what we do is scripted. Um, and even when you scrimmage, sometimes we try to simulate game-like activities, but it's a lot of times offense versus defense. And so special teams have to have their own segment. When we mock a game, we truly play it as if it's a game and we are all on one sideline and uh, going through those substitutions, TV timeouts, different things are, are really important to stay in the flow of the game. And even for coaches, you know, like from a defensive coach's perspective, when we scrimmage, you're calling it every play. When you go to a mock game, when the defense is off the field, the offense is calling it. The defense is making their adjustments. So we, we try to take the players through all of that uh, so that they can find the rhythm in, in how the game goes. You said uh, at the beginning of camp. This is very important for this team because it's a very young team. I think Steve Sarkeesian said 55 of the yeah, 55 of the actual scholarship players are first and second year you know, players. Um, and with Texas having a huge 2022 class, um, especially a lot of these freshmen are going to be counted on to to be, you know, basically in the too deep, folks. You got, you know, rumors going around that, you know, Kelvin Banks Jr., um, Cole Hudson, you know, could definitely be starting along with possibly Ken Williams. You got guys like DJ Campbell, you know, who, who's actually pressing for time. Um, you got um, Ethan Burke, who's also pressing for time, too. Um, you know, Finkley's pressing for time as well. You got a lot of young players who are going to play Savion Red or Brennan Thompson. These guys are going to play some ball this year. Quinn Ewers, he is, you know, for all intents and purposes, he is a true freshman. You know, even though he did reclassify to go to Ohio State last year, he's still basically a true freshman. He skipped his senior season. So he is, he should be, this should be his first true semester as a college, um, you know, student. Uh, so you got a bunch of young players that have to understand the uh, the ins and outs, the TV commercials, things that they didn't have when they were in high school. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see how all the players cope with this, because this is something that could be very new. Well, not, not could. This is something that's going to be very new for them when it comes to playing a game at the, you know, at the collegiate level. How do you feel 
offensive line, secondary. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're closer. Um, you know, I think the emergence of Kelvin has been helpful at left tackle. I think that's given us a lot of flexibility with Andre and, and utilizing him. I think Cole Hudson has done a nice job emerging as well. So I feel I feel comfortable up front uh, in the secondary. All right, Paul, we're talking about the offensive line and how uh, Steve Sarkeesian feels comfortable with the offensive line throughout the camps here. And uh, I think the question was actually asked by Chip Brown, you know, from 247. Um, but once you look at this and hear exactly what the coach says, Kelvin Banks has provided a lot of flexibility within it, within that that offensive line. So Kelvin Banks, folks, we all know that, you know, um, Andre Carrick was the starting left tackle. And as far as now on paper, is still, quote unquote, the starting left tackle. But the emergence of Kelvin Banks Jr., um, if he's able to take over that left tackle spot, which is what people are thinking is going to happen here, then it gives him the flexibility to move Andre Carrick around. So what does that mean? Does Andre Carrick move to, to another guard position? Is he um, the right tackle now? Or is he a guy that is going to be your swing tackle? Somebody that if somebody goes down, you have a guy with some experience that can come in and play any position on, on that offensive line, probably minus center. Um, so I think that's what that mainly is. Because once you look at that, if Kelvin Banks takes over the starting left tackle position, he mentioned Cole Hudson again as a freshman. Cole Hudson, who all the reports are coming in that he is going to start at one of the guard positions. And you still have a guy like Christian Jones still out there at right tackle. And a lot of people are saying Ken Williams is pushing him for playing time at the right tackle position. That leaves either a guy like Andre Carrick to be your swing guy that can play the tackles, that can play the guards, um, or maybe he moves over to right tackle. And if you're not comfortable with a guy like uh, Christian Jones, maybe that gives an opportunity to be a swing guy. But the emergence of some of these freshmen folks is giving him options for upperclassmen to be uh, flexible within where they're going to play along the Texas offensive line. Uh, I feel really good about our ability to understand our coverages and to communicate. Uh, we're communicating at a really high level comparatively, especially to where we were a year ago and even in spring. Um, and then, you know, we're making plays on the ball, which is, which is a real positive. Um, in the kicking game, um, I've seen- let's pause in the secondary piece. Uh, so Coach Arkeesian talked about the communication. He said it is very high and positive on the communication. And just reading the reports and some of the tea leaves from the sites, Jaron Thompson has been one of the guys who they're saying is one of the smartest defensive backs we have here in this team, guy who um, is very expressive, um, a guy who is is very smart in that backfield, knows knows to cause, knows to plays, and is able to get people lined up in the exact right location, which is very encouraging here for this team um, because being a safety, and especially a field safety, this is the guy who is the last line of defense, so he's going to be able to see the coverages from exactly where he's at and to put people in the right places. Also, he's talking about um, basically these guys have been ball hawks, taking advantage of getting the ball. And we've all heard, even Jaron Thompson said this himself, um, that Deshaun Jameson has picked off a lot of balls this offseason. And I know a lot of people might not be as high on Jameson. Um, however, Jameson, this is the first year, folks, that Deshaun Jameson has had his position coach for two years straight. You got to understand, first year here on campus, he was a wide receiver. Uh, second year, he played cornerback with, a, um, I think, Jason Washington as his, as his, um, his coach. Uh, his third year, um, if I'm not mistaken, was 
Lewis's Lewis's coach. It was the Chris Ash years, and so yeah, it was one. It was the defensive back coach um, under Chris Ash, which it, I think it was Jay Belai, if not mistaken. Um, his his fourth year, folks. He was the starting cornerback um, with Terry Joseph. And now this is, again, this is his, his next year here. He's having Terry Joseph again. So a little bit of continuity, folks. A little bit of continuity is going to go a long way, I think, with, with Jamison. And if that happens, we're, you know, he will be able to up his play and hopefully become a draftable you know, prospect here for the next year seen a lot of growth in three weeks you know I've seen us in it's not just the kicker but I think inevitably our, our coverage units um, our return units um, you know all those things are really starting to come together um, which is an underrated aspect of the game which takes time you know it takes time to find that rhythm in your kicking game uh, and on special teams so uh, in general I feel better today than I felt three weeks ago about those things but um, we're not a finished product either at, at, at any one of those three. Eric can play. So he's talking about here the special team side of the house. Yes, uh, special teams worries me. Losing a guy like Dicker the kicker who who did punts, did field goals, and did kickoffs. I mean, he was your triple threat. And now he's a guy that just playing on Sundays. And that's why Steve Sarkeesian tried extremely hard to keep him here um, for another season. Um, however, he's not here, and now Texas has to figure out who is going to do all these duties. So it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to, you know, actually play out and how these kickers are going to perform, you know, um, underneath the lights of 100,000 people. Uh, so hopefully they can do well. Hey, if we get a kicker that can kick field goals from 40 yards in, I think this team will be great, um, you know, in that category. And then anything above 40 yards is just gravy. Uh, but, I, you know, Texas has a has the opportunity to have some people step up. And, hey, folks, we shall see what happens. Yes, yeah, very flexible. That was Chip Brown. He basically asked about Andre Carrick and could he play right tackle as well? And he said, very flexible, yes. So there's your answer, folks. He is your your swing guy who's going to play all over the line. Maybe he starts at right tackle, depending on just the comfort level that Texas has within Christian Jones. Maybe he's your guy that backs up everybody and a guy that you can slap anywhere. So he feels very comfortable with uh, – with, with Andre Carrick playing all over the line. And that is a direct reflection of a guy like Kelvin Banks Jr. and Cole Hudson coming to this team and being prepared and ready to play on day one. Minded kid, um, and he's found he's found his way kind of into the two deep. Um, and when he's in there, he does some really positive things. So we're encouraged by him. I think the beauty for Ethan is that he's got a lot of room for growth. I, I think his best days are ahead of him, but he's definitely made an impact. Uh, Justice, talking about Ethan Burke. This is a great kudos to the staff. Um, Ethan Burke was. Um, one of the latest additions, one of the last additions to, you know, like to the last class. And he was a Michigan commit. Uh, he was a lacrosse player at uh, Westlake. Big kid, 6'7", huge frame, can probably fill out to 245, 250. Um, but, a, but a big kid, a great pass rushing ability um, at Westlake. But a lot of people are saying that they, 
are not only intrigued by his pass rush ability, but they are so um, shocked and, 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 and so surprised at his run stopping ability. Um, and he hasn't even filled into his frame yet. He's still a smaller frame guy for his height, but he's been a welcome addition. And that just shows you the level of, of you know, foresight that this team has seen and that the staff has seen when they do those late um, evals on players during the senior year. So that's why I think you're always going to see Steve Sarkeesian and team keep open two to three slots for those late bloomers. You know, a guy like Ethan Burke, a guy like Savion Red, who the evals on those guys were very good late and it's showing that these guys can you know, you know, can possibly produce here at Texas in their first year. Um. I thought it was, you know, and I, I met with him on this. I, I thought he got off to a little bit of a slow start in camp comparatively to kind of how he ended spring ball. Uh, but I think that he has picked it up. Um, but I have to remind myself every time I talk to Justice, he's very mature, but he's still a true freshman, right? And there's still a lot of growth for him too, you know. It's like sometimes we hold those guys to a different standard that we're here in spring, but inevitably he and Ethan Burke are still true freshmen together. So, uh Big future, big upside for him. And, and Michael Taft is kind of a bit of a. Let's pause for a minute and talk about Justice Finkley. He's one of my favorite players from the last cycle. Um, and what Coach Sark is saying is right. People got to understand that these guys, a lot of these guys are true freshmen. And the thing that that gets us in trouble in a lot of teams is to expect true freshmen to come here and save the team. That is something that we shouldn't expect to happen. Uh, but Finkley he is the exact, um, you know, reflection of what you see in a true freshman. You're going to have ups and downs because they're getting used and adjusted to the college game, uh, the college cycle, college practices, uh, just, just the level of competition. Everybody is you. When you are playing in high school, there's one of you, maybe two or three of you that you're going to play continuously throughout the season. College ball, everybody is you. Everybody has your level of talent, maybe a little less, maybe a little better, but the mean is you. And so that's where you're seeing that there's going to be ebb and flows, folks, when it comes to these freshmen. That's why you got to have a little patience. You can't depend on these freshmen to come and save the team ASAP. Um, but, yeah, it's ebb and flows. Even Xavier Worthy had ups and downs last year, folks. He had ups and downs. And that's things that we have to uh, be used to when once we're playing freshmen. And that's something that we're going to have to – you know, just take in and understand that these guys are going to make some mistakes. But like Coach said, the upside, the potential is great, and their and their best days are actually ahead of them. A Swiss Army knife, you know, he's a guy that can play multiple positions. He's tough. Very smart, great leadership. Um, he's a guy who's actually, as a walk on, is on our leadership council. Um, I think that he's he's got a great voice and. He finds a way. He's got a knack for finding the ball and making plays, whether it's on defense or special teams. Taft, get the man a scholarship. He's very instrumental to getting, uh, you know, um, Arch Manning here. He was he was basically here to be his um, his host on his visits. And I don't think only Arch, but other players as well. But he's a kid, I think, from Westlake as well. Winning culture, winning attitude. Had scholarship offers to other schools. Walked on here at Texas. I think we're going to see uh, him – Hopefully we'll discuss here pretty soon. But but like Coach said, a Swiss Army knife guy that always finds his way to the ball. And that's because a smart player who knows how to win, knows how to play, and those are guys that can help your team immensely um, in special teams right away. And not only in special teams, if they're called upon and need to be, they have the mental knowledge, 
the athletic ability to, to do great things at this level as well. Well, I think one thing Keelan provides is, you know, he's an experienced guy. You know, he's been around college football a lot. He's been around it at a high level. Uh, he's made a lot of big plays in his career at both stops. Um, he's interesting because he's very confident. So he can have a little bit more fun and he's a little bit more loose. Um, and I think that that's good for our young players to realize it's still the game, right? As, as hard as we want to coach it and we want to play it, when you're confident and you can be relaxed, that sometimes that's when we play at our best. And uh, Keelan has the ability to do it. He's very versatile. Um, he's mature. Um, and I, I do think he has a positive impact on our younger players because he knows what the standard is and, and what's, what's acceptable and what's not. And um, he's not afraid to share it. You know, so that part's been good. Thing about Keelan Robinson that I think everybody's going to have to love hear about him. Yes, he was with Sark at Alabama, you know, prior to uh, actually coming to uh, Texas. Um, he knows the system. He's a key performer on special teams. He's a guy that at running back is a really good running back. He's just in a crowded running back room now behind, you know, Bijan and Roshan. Um, but he's a guy that is explosive and he does make a bunch of plays. But when you have a guy who's carefree, a guy that uh, takes the stress off you, tells you everything's going to be all right. It makes the locker room so much more cohesive because it lightens the mood. You ever been at a job and the leader is tight? He's always tight. He's a micromanager. I think we've all been in those situations. Um, and it makes the organization run that same way. Well, I think we all kind of see Sark is kind of a player's coach, a guy that understands what it takes to be a player at that level because he did play at that level. But as his players feed off that. We have players that are explosive players, good players, players that are respected in that locker room who carry that same attitude, that same moxie. Then guess what? It it permeates down below and it makes everybody at ease. Um, so I think that's great to have a guy like Keelan Robinson, who has been with Sark, winning championships at Alabama, and is now able to carry on that, that same atmosphere, that same um, attitude here at Texas as well. Um, I might know somebody that can help with that. We got some work to do there, so we'll, we'll see. player move, but it's not so unusual. But having a guy like Tariq who competed against you as a conference opponent, now integrating him into your system, presumably to be a guy that's going to be counted on. What's that process like to see a guy shift gears to another program that he's competed against? Well, I think one thing, big picture, is I think this is the world we're in now. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about, you know, the ability to adapt, and these are the times of college football. Um, transfer portal's real, and so you have to be adaptable to it. And I think for the most part, it's it's been favorable to us. Uh, Tariq has been a great addition. You know, anytime you can get a veteran player um, who's competed at a high level in big games, um, in a, coming from a good program like Iowa State, I, I think he's been a great addition. I think that one side of it for me is – and when you talk to him, I think he thought coming to Texas, it was going to be, you know, a lot of glitz and glamour. Um, and he found out we've got a really good culture here. And I take that as a compliment coming from a guy whose program was kind of built on their culture. So 
that was sometimes the portal can help you there too, that it can help you with, man, we're kind of on the right path of what we're doing. And so yeah, I think he recognizes how hard we work, uh, what kind of culture we have and has integrated himself nicely into our team. Tariq Milton, Tariq Milton, I think, um, he's going to be one of the unsung heroes out of this transfer portal. Um, with the recent injury of Nayer, with the recent suspension of Hall, a guy like Milton is going to be invaluable to this team. I mean, he's he's so valuable, guys, because he can play all over the field. Got a guy with no kidding um, experience here in the Big Twelve. Um, he basically, you know, folks want to hear this, but in 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 one season, I think in twenty nineteen, he has more yards uh, than Jordan Whittington has in his entire career. And so just and, and we see what Jordan Whittington can be when he's healthy. And I think Tariq Milton is that he's not that he's not that same caliber of player. I think Whittington has uh, just a little bit more, uh, you know, than Milton. But Milton is a speed demon. You know, um, he's a guy that can stretch the field. Um, he's a complete player and he's going to pay dividends here at Texas. I think this is the steal of the transfer portal for Texas. And that this is a guy that we're going to see if somebody goes down or needs a breather. He's going to be able to come in and make a play here at Texas or plenty of plays because he's done it in his past at Iowa State. He knows the culture at Iowa State and what it takes to have a great cohesive locker room. When you have a guy like that, that's a veteran here in, you know, in college football. It's going to help out a ton. And I think that's going to only solidify that uh that room. Yeah, um, I think Quinn has had a, has had a good week. I, I, I've seen some plays where it's like, okay, we're starting to take another step with him. You know, some some really big time throws on third down. Um, some of his playmaking in the pocket made a nice play in two minute today. Actually, using his legs uh, to create a to create an explosive play. So we're starting to make the strides that I was hoping for. Uh, you know, with Malik and with a lot of the guys that are kind of threes, um, we try to have opportunities where we where our threes are not just doing scouts, but they're actually working our offense and our defense competing against one another. Um, but then to make sure that they're still getting reps, you have to, you have to get some of that scout team work because that's what keeps, keeps the speed of the game up for them when they got to go against that first defense or that second defense. So um, all in all, it, continue to develop, right? We, we got to dig into what are the things we need him to work on and want him to work on. And then we got to keep pushing uh, for him to do that. And then we got to celebrate the small victories. I think that's something um, when a guy's not a frontline player, um, the season can be long. And so you want to be able to celebrate the small victories for not just the quarterback, but anybody, whether it's you know, you're focusing on effort when they're playing with great effort, you got to make sure we celebrate that. And when, they make an adjustment on a read, and, and then they do it, man. we got to celebrate that because we want to make sure we're keeping those guys motivated uh, in a positive light because it definitely have an impact on our team. All right, so Steve Sarkeesian talking about just the 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 maturation process of Quinn Ewers since he has, um, you know, basically taken over the starting job. And he's saying that he has taken those steps that he would have hoped that he would have taken, and, and he's seen that improvement, which I think is great because – 
some guys play with a little bit of stress on their shoulders when they know that they're not the guy or know that they're still in a competition to be the guy. But when you find out that you are the guy, sometimes the weight is off your shoulders and you can play a little bit more freely, especially when the coach has already said that he doesn't plan on swapping these quarterbacks now. I think he has this guy that he wants. And unless the wheels fall completely off the wagon, this guy's going to stay in regardless because the offense needs continuity and that guy needs confidence within himself to make sure to, to assure that he's going to make the plays. One thing that, that he said that, that I, I absolutely love and I do the same thing here, you know, just in the military is you got to celebrate the small wins. And that is great because it is about building the confidence of young players, young troops, you know, like for me is, you got to build the confidence of these folks. You put a small carrot in front of them, give them a mini milestone. And once they achieve that mini milestone, celebrate the hell out of it, because then they're going to continue to fight hard for you to assure that they get the next mini milestone. And so he's doing the right things. Coach has learned from the best the Pete Carroll's. He's learned from the Nick Saban's on how to become and how to be a great coach. And I think he was on his path on that in Washington and, and, and also up in USC. And I think we're going to see the best of Steve Sarkeesian here at Texas for now and years to come. What do you learn about in, through your experience about coaching your coaches? Like, you, you know, you work for Carroll, you yeah. work for Saban. What's your approach? To well, I think, I think two things. One is you want to communicate really well. Um, and you want to be really well organized. And I think that, um, you know, we, we do that. You know, we, we meet every morning. We understand what our schedule is for the day. We understand, um, you know, what the practice plan is and how we want to practice and, and who's where on the depth chart and different things. But you want to be organized. You want to communicate well. Um, but two, I think you have to set expectations. And, and then from there, you have to be willing to address when expectations aren't being met. And that could be in style of play. It could be how we're playing the players. It could be how we're uh, recruiting, whatever that is. It could be, you know, how we managing our players off the field. Uh, but as long as you communicate well, you set expectation and you're organized, then in my opinion, then it's okay to be really demanding of what the expectations are. Um, and we've got great rapport on our staff. I've always gotten a little frustrated or listen to coaches at other places get frustrated when they don't know what the expectations are or they don't know uh, X, Y, or Z, and then the coach wants to get on them. And so I've always been of the mindset, and I've been fortunate to have worked for some great coaches, whether it's Pete Carroll, North Turner, Dan Quinn, uh, Nick Saban, really well organized, um, you know, set it a high standard, but yet expectations of what was expected of them and then held you to the standard. And that as a coach, that's all you can ask for because you know, what's expected of you. I love that statement by coach. Basically when it comes to um, holding your, your coaches uh, to a higher standard, um, letting them understand what the expectation is for them. So basically it is, uh, giving your coaches a job, letting them know the expectations and holding them to those expectations. And then, hey, folks, I would add one more thing. Let them do their job. Let them do their job and let them succeed. But, folks, that is the reaction for the August 25th uh, uh, Texas uh, football um, practice uh, reaction video for Sark's press conference. Uh, folks, on that note, man, do you. Don't be afraid to fail. I grow your environment. I understand your brilliance. Horns always up. You know, it's corner, out, hook them.